open? Yeah, I'm gonna open. I'm opening with some finger guns. Pew pew. How you doing, Cameron? This is Opinions Cheap with Cameron and Chad. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I didn't have any energy when we sat down, and now I have energy. It's weird. Well, that's good too. I went to a Hy-Vee today. You know that grocery store chain? No. I, I I can't tell. I think that's. I wonder if that's just like a Midwestern thing. We we finally got one in our area, and it was kind of a big deal. Hy-Vee. Uh, grocery store, Midwest. How many Hy-Vees are there? Oh, it's probably a better, probably a better. How many hy There we go. Apparently, they're in Iowa, Minnesota, Missouri, Nebraska, probably Wisconsin, because that's where I went. So they're they're kind of a they're kind of a Midwest. It looks like um, South Dakota, Kansas. Okay. Um. It's new. I don't really go there, and I've only been there twice, and once was to get liquor. And then the second time happened to also be to get liquor, but I didn't mean to this time. But it was fun, because they were doing samples. Like, the guy saw me, like, looking at bourbon, because I was just seeing what they had, and he's like, hey, you want to you wanna, you wanna try some? And I was like, yeah, and he's like, this is my new favorite sipping bourbon. And it was made in Missouri, which is interesting. I've never had a Missouri bourbon called um, Ben Holiday. It's 100 proof. And uh, it's got a really nice kick and finish. I'm really enjoying it, which is why I'm talking about it. But I went to this store. I, well, I just went to get cat food, Cameron. I needed to get cat food. And I walked out with, with cat food and then, and then a really expensive bottle of liquor. And then I'm thinking, though, every time I go into Hy-Vee or think about Hy-Vee, I'm like, oh, Adam Young from Owl City, he used to work there when he was a teenager because he wrote a song about it. And so now when I go to Hy-Vee, I think of Owl City. And my my brain is just like a mush of word association right now. Well, that's fun though, right? I think so. I just, I, I realize this story didn't go anywhere other than my alcoholism. Is it really alcoholism if you have a story though? Oh, that's a good point. I didn't I didn't black out or nothing. See, I think those are different things. Yeah, it's cl- if you if you're spending money on good stuff, it's classy. You don't have a problem. You are. Um, distinguished, like with the salt and pepper hair and the beard and uh, the gun in your pocket, because you are uh, James Bond. I'm not as sexy as James Bond. I could be. No, I couldn't. You think maybe it's the hair? Like if you styled your hair in a James Bond way, do you think you could pull that off? I think I would look like a child trying to cosplay as an adult. I have developed this fear that if I ever shave my beard, I'll just look like a fat baby. Because that's a thing that happens. It seems to happen a lot because I've seen it like recently on Twitter. There's just people that'll like, it's like, okay, I shaved and and then like they're on their Twitch stream or whatever. And everybody is like, what's wrong with your face? Oh, you're so gross and smooth. I can't take you seriously. I guess it kind of makes sense for the people that have had like uh, facial hair or a specific hairstyle for a very long time. The idea of like changing that up abruptly is probably very anxiety inducing. I mean, when I dyed my hair purple last year, that was, you know, like, oh, God, I hope this works out because it's going to be there for a while. It's scary to do things that are outside your comfort zone, Cameron, which is why we're here to talk about shit like cartoons. I do kind of like cartoons. Yeah, cartoons are fun. Now, we talked about cartoons recently, didn't we? 
Um, probably. Yeah, yeah, but it, we had like a top five list that neither of us are happy about. Yeah, that was fun. I like that but episode a lot. That's why. Yeah, that's why. Um, today we're going to be talking about the Powerpuff Girls to make up for me forgetting to put that on the list. We did forget to put that on the list. Powerpuff Girls is fucking memorable. Like I, you say that, and like all of these things are just like, guess what? Your head is now occupied with the Powerpuff Girls. Did you ever see the movie? I want to say yes. Okay. I thought it was really good. Yeah, I, I don't remember it too much. It's definitely been a hot minute. We're not having a lot of opinions about the Powerpuff Girls. You know what I did see is the new Puss in Boots movie. Want to talk about that real quick? I liked it. I We're liked it a lot. Puss it was very Boots, fun. The Last Wish. Which I think everyone's heard of by now. Yeah. It's in, I feel like the Shrek as a franchise has had kind of an interesting um, lifespan. Because I remember when that movie came out, I really liked it. I was probably the right age for it. And then Shrek 2 came out, and I liked that as well. And then 3 and 4, I think I saw but didn't care for. And then there was the Puss in Boots thing. And I was like, oh, right, now they're doing spinoffs. I mean, who gives a shit? And then this comes out, and this is really good. But I also know like Shrek has been memed there and back again. Kind of like the Hobbits's. Um, there's VR chat galore stuff, right? Like it's uh, it's it's occupies an interesting space within the internet, and then just like I think animated movies in general. Because I know when it came out, it, it there was something kind of grimy and cynical about it that Pixar movies were not, and so it really stood apart. Um, like Shrek was not a great hero; he was kind of an ass. Uh, the movies were kind of gross. It was. I don't know if it was deconstructing um, fairy tales, but it was it was definitely playing with them in ways that Pixar never did. I think more specifically, it was deconstructing like Disney princess movies. Yeah. It was kind of an anti-Disney approach. I, uh, so last week on VRChat, we were painting. Yes. I apparently the media player wasn't working for you because I was listening to Shrek videos while we were painting. Oh, really? Um. So, yeah, if you didn't hear any of that, I want to recommend this video that was going around called A History of Bad Shrek Products. Well, this looks delightful. It It's very interesting. It's like, uh, <laughs> it, like some of it's just kind of stupid. Like, you know, they just colored ketchup green. And oh, it didn't I didn't actually that. have enough tomatoes in it to qualify as ketchup, so they just called it like hot dog topping. It's it's that kind of thing. Okay. Um, but it's it's also kind of funny because you think about that first Shrek movie, and it's like you know that was kind of influential, and it had these long legs. But then there's this weird legacy of uh, like both charm and cringe. Like it's kind of like the Minions, where it's like you kind of get tired of seeing them everywhere, but. There's an endearing part of it where you don't mind it if it's done in the right doses. Yeah. Uh, one of the better ones was the McDonald's or was it McDonald's or Burger King that had the cups? Um, I want to say it was probably Burger King because I feel like I maybe owned one of those at one point and I don't like McDonald's. So typically it was always like, hey, let's go to Burger King. So Burger King had these collectible cups for Shrek 4 or Shrek 3 maybe. Do you remember that? Oh, actually, it could have been. At that point, I was checked out, so it could have been either or. Um, The Puss in Boots one was so poisonous, they had to recall it. 
Wait, what do you like? Like, like the plastic in it was poison or what? Uh, the paint they used on the glass. Oh, because apparently the paint you use to color glasses, like drinkware, the orange one is like extra poisonous, and so you only use it for like little accents or a little bit, and so they instead <laughs> color in the whole character orange, which is technically more than is allowed. Oh, damn! So it's like, haha, oops. I don't know if I like the idea of uh, the orange is kind of toxic. Just don't use enough of it. Just don't use much of it. It'll be fine. Like, what if we just didn't use orange then? Well, that's how toxicity works, though. I mean, like, technically, like, you can die from salt or water overdoses. Yeah, that's true. But those things aren't paint on a commemorative glass for an animated movie. <laughs> I, I do Here's feel a better like there's, suggestion. Uh, there's differences here. Don't drink here. out of your respectable, collectible glasses. Yeah. I I really liked uh, the Last Wish though. I know we watched a little bit of it in VR chat, and I and I made us kind of stop because like, no, I want to watch this like a, on a TV and get a good experience, like audio visual experience. Um, I'm happy I did. My parents really liked the movie too. It was I don't know. There's just something about it that felt like really clever, really cute, and really heartfelt in a a way that I don't know if I've seen from DreamWorks in a while. No, it it stood out. It is very good. I think it's like surprisingly good is the best way to frame that movie. It's another one of those movies too, or just like media now that you can tell has been inspired by a lot of things. Um, anime being part of it. I know like the fight scene with the giant has like an Ava reference. I think there's some Attack on Titan framing in there too. And so you're watching this like the animation jumps down to a different frame rate and, and it's doing these anime references and it's it's amazing. Like it, it's so unexpected. It's so stylistic and cool. It's fun as fuck. And I didn't. Ex- you just. You're just like. What? Where is this coming from? I cannot believe this is here. But I'm really happy it is. And then Puss's like fight with uh, with the wolf at the end. It's another one of those like this is a hype ass anime fight. And the it, the the camera is moving the way it would in a in a in an anime fight. It's uh, a lot of crazy sword fighting. There's fucking fire everywhere. Um, the emotional rise even to there was very anime-esque. It felt very melodramatic and kind of operatic in a very just big bombastic way that really stood out. It, it I, I, when I talk about like, Hey, sometimes things have anime influences. This is, this is what I want to see. Cause I think there are really, really great things that, that we should be taking from that medium. And, and this movie did a great job of it. There's so many interesting scenes. Like, the series of set pieces they go through. They cram a lot in this movie. I don't know how much of the credits you watched. Um, I don't know if we watched any of them. So they do that thing where they kind of have these, like, stills of uh, different shots in the movie. And just, like, as a slideshow, pretty much. Okay. And every single one, I go, oh, that scene was good. Like, it, there's that one shot where uh, Goldilocks and the Bears are... Like they're kind of standing um in the snow on one half, and then there's like this stark line where then it just like cuts to their house and it's framed like perfectly centered. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like they just has that shot, and it's like, oh, that was so cool looking. And then it has like you know, just every little sequence had amazing things in it. Um I I love again at the end when it's all climactic and stuff. 
there's the shot where Puss in Boots is there and he has a sword in one hand and he has the uh, wish in the other hand. And then he throws the wish down and he draws a sword and he poses all heroic and there's like fire around him while they're like floating through space with all this like cosmic magic energy around him. So you can have like a one-on-one duel with death and he says some like heroic thing. And it's like, this is the Dark Souls of movies. <laughs> like as silly as that sentence is, like I, I've rewatched it recently and I can't get over how every uh action scene and every little like bit and every bit of a conflict feels warranted and is fun to watch yeah it the movie is so smartly like written and put together because one of one of the things that really jumped out to me i mean there's that stuff and then the just the writing though and the character work because there's a lot of characters in here and they all have like a really good dynamic and things going on. Basically, everybody learns something except the villain, who's the villain. Even Death learns something. And it's, like, it's crazy. It's hilarious too. Like the, everyone kept talking about Death, but um, uh, little Jack Horner is such a great villain. <laughs> I, I can't believe more people didn't talk about it because he was so funny. It's so like comically evil how he doesn't learn a lesson at all. Yeah. Like when, I, when I like has, at the very um, end when he's actually defeated and he's like, you know, what what did I do to deserve this? Like name anything specifically. The uh when when he pulls Jiminy Cricket out and he's like, What are you? Are you some evil locust? And he's like, No, I'm your conscience. And I, I cracked up so fucking hard because I was like, Oh my god, I cannot wait to see how these two play off each other. And the answer I, was I, it was perfect. <laughs> Well, I, I love how he's, like, describing. He's like, well, oh, I just sit on your shoulder, and I, I judge you while you grow as a person. He's like, I really did overpack. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, there's a lot of good funny lines. I, I, I love the Jimmy Stewart, Jiminy Cricket. Why, why, Jack, you're not going to shoot a puppy, are you? He's like, yeah, it's right in the face. <laughs> I love it's, when he had, like... Just... <laughs> He's he's killing off his thirteen bakers and just doesn't give a shit and 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 the cricket is just like you you can't you, you can't be serious Jack and and Jack just gives z- z- no fucks at all it it's always funny and I think part of it is like it happened enough to be a motif but it didn't happen too much to, to overstay its welcome and then the jokes are always very fast i I like the one part um one of the chefs grabs puss in boots he's like i got him and then jack shoots the chef and he's like oh the sights are off yeah. and he's just like upset with his toy pretty much then he gets another one he's like oh come on you jumped right into that um what is still you a think really threatening goldilocks villain, and the three bears come again what oh actually no let's stay on jack a bit I agree with you. He was actually a threatening villain, which was also compelling. Uh, I also love how, like, one of the problems with Shrek and all the sequels is that they've kind of covered all the fairy tale stories. Yeah. And it's like, you know, what do you do? Like, we've covered a bunch of good ones. Um, I, I know a lot of people didn't like the fourth one, but I thought uh, Rumbled Stiltskin was a good villain. Uh, with With Jack Horner... I love how they turn it into a bit where he's specifically jealous because he's not a fairy tale. He's just like a stupid nursery rhyme. Yeah. 
And that's his backstory is that he's not magical enough. And it's like, this is actually really clever as motivation. Well, he also has a line where, because they ask him, like, you know, what's your story? And he's like, oh, you know, I mean, just a normal kid with a thriving business and parents that love me. And like, he's so disappointed that he has like these things that so many people don't just get. And, you know, oh, I'm going to inherit this like million dollar a year, you know, pie business. And he's not happy with any of that. And he's such a fucking weird sociopath. I loved his um, menagerie of like trinkets and magic items because there's so many references to books and uh, folklore and whatnot. And and so like those scenes where you can just kind of like pan around and and see everything. It's really wonderfully put together because people have done their homework. But you can also tell like I'm sure the writers and animators are just like fans of this stuff. Like the uh, Alice in Wonderland drink me and eat me to, to make him big and small. I, you know, I immediately got that. I was like, oh, that's so fucking clever. He's got like a Midas touch thing. Um, there was a bunch of stuff in the background that I was recognizing. I wish I could re- remember all what it all was. I also liked with uh, Jiminy Cricket that he, he ends up getting like, he's a bit character, but at the end he does destroy a piece of the map and ultimately fucks over Jack. And so he's st- even as like a joke character, he gets to... Kind of get that last punch in. I can you hear me? Yeah, there you are. I I cannot make out like a word you're saying. Oh, I'm sorry. Really? Because uh, all my levels are good. Well, no, you're like you're breaking up. Like it's the oh. internet. Should we stop? Uh, and, let's and... put a pin in this right here. Um, actually, you know what? Don't stop. But I'm going to reset my my internet real quick okay and sometimes that just jump starts it i'm gonna clap real quick for a marker okay can you hear me hi can you hear me i can hear you beautifully can you hear me I think you sound better. Hooray! I hope that was just on my end and that fixed it. I hope so too. Okay, and we're back from technical problems. But anyways, I agree. Uh, Jiminy Cricket was in the movie. Yay, that's what I was talking about. Okay. Do you want to move on to Goldilocks? I know you, you were trying to segue there. I, I'm trying to remember if there's anything else to say about Jack, but I just... um I think he was a perfect villain for the story because I think everything else about the movie was kind of deep and he was kind of shallow Mm -hmm. (laughs) in some way it balanced things out where you didn't have to like overthink this complex character or something. Um, Goldilocks. I thought the design was nice. Like the, the four of them looked really cute as a team. Yeah. But I was going into the movie going like, man, how hard are they going to lean on the, you know, too little, too much, just right joke? Like, how old is that going to get? They did it a lot, and it never felt inappropriate. Yeah, I, I always kind of smiled when they did it. And I feel like there's not a lot to that fairy tale. And so they were playing with what they got. But then just, like, the visual characterization of everybody really helped elevate what they were doing. I <laughs> I I like... um. I like the way that some of that stuff like would play into action sequences too, where 
uh, like the Papa Bear would like hit something and it breaks the whole bridge and they're like, no, too hard. Yeah. And just like stuff like that where it's like, you know what? Okay. Or when they, they were in like this like anti-gravity thing and she jumped on one of the beds, but it was the one that was too soft. So she like sunk into it and couldn't get enough force to jump out. And it's like, this is kind of funny how they worked it in just like quick little thing where it's like, if you're paying attention, you get it. But it's not like, like, uh, uh, do you get, we're going to set it up again and repeat the joke. Yeah. I was really surprised at how like deep those characters became because when they showed up, they seemed like they were going to be kind of bit villains that Puss in Boots is going to overcome and go on to the main story. And they stuck around and it turns out like, oh, there was a lot going on with that, that four people dynamic. And it was also kind of nice the way like, at the end, it was kind of emotional, and you care about them too. Like it, it, all, all the characters had neat things going on, but I didn't expect to care about Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Yeah, I will say I kind of figured out their their narrative arc a good deal, but before they did, but it still sure. paid off really well when it when it happened, especially when uh, when the little dog uh, were they just calling him Burrito, Papito. Pepito, okay, I could I, I could never quite tell, um, but when he you know he's talking to them and and freaking like making fun of them and swearing at them and it's getting bleeped and you're like oh god this movie's going places and the bears are just laughing even though they could just like pick this dog up and eat him in one bite, and then he's like you know you have a really great family and I was like oh see he gets it, and I thought she might get it then but it, it took her a little bit, but then when she saved baby, um. It, you know, it, it all it all worked out really well, especially when, like, uh, she kept repeating, like, you're the smash, I'm the grab, and then she grabs him at the end and pulls him from death or whatever, and it it was so, it's such a lean movie. Like, that kind of writing is really good and really lean, because it, it does so much with so little, and I'm oh, I, I really, really fucking impressed. I guess, no, it's Purdy, though. Um, I agree with you 100%. Like, it was very... Uh, accessible to children overall. But as an adult, it's like, man, this is better than like some more grown up movies I've watched recently. Yeah. Especially, I, I feel like we'll talk about the main thing in a bit as we're working through the characters. Uh, but Puss's uh, arc is very much like, you know, I, I'm sure a child can understand it, but I feel like it spoke to adults. Yeah. Uh, did you want to talk about Perito for a bit? I loved him a lot. I'm really surprised. I, I kept thinking he was going to get annoying because he was so yeah. positive <laughs> in that character. It. And he's like, I'm going to be a therapy dog. We're team friendship. But he was also just so, like, just delightful. And this this bright spot in everything he did. And it's sort of like, oh, I think he's, like, someone we can all aspire to be. Is, you know, be kinder to everyone else. Be kinder to ourselves. Like that kind of character who's just really happy with what he's got. And he's kind of naive and he's kind of dumb. But he's so he's so endearing and adorable. It's also I I know the other thing they were clearly setting up with him is like oh it's he's one of those ugly dogs and like his whole thing is like oh yeah he's not loved or anything. But when he's going into his backstory, it's like, okay, I get it. But it kept going, and it kept getting worse, and yeah. it kept getting worse. And I love how the camera is just trained on uh, a puss and kitty, and they're both just kind of, like, 
<laughs> like, you know, they're covering their mouth. And it's like, as he's just describing the stuff that keeps getting worse. And it's like, he's still wearing the sock that his family tried to drown him in. It's like, it, it was so weird where it's like, I can't believe they put this in a kid's movie. That got that got dark as hell. And yeah, like Kitty's like mouth just like slowly, like I think further and further falling open. And and then he's like, and I guess I'm still it because I never did find them again. And he's just like laughing about yes. it. And he's like, oh, my God, you were abandoned and attempted murdered. <laughs> it's so like over the top mean where it's like, oh, wow. And yeah, it's that stuff. And it's like uh, like when they asked him what his name was and it was basically just like he's listing off a bunch of uh, swears like you get away from me. And one of them was like literally oh. shit for brains. Yeah, and it's just like I didn't expect that it it's set up to be that annoying character that they just put in there because it's a kids movie and they need to sell dolls or something. And he warrants his presence in the entire film so well. When when Puss has the the second encounter with death and runs away and and, and Purito like shows up and basically comforts him and and acts as like an actual therapy dog. I, I was blown away by, like, how emotional that, that moment was. And just, like, the abject fear of Puss, who's realizing he is fucking getting old and mortal, which, oh, God, I can't relate to that at all, Um, in his, you know, near-death experience. And then this dog just, like, just not even saying anything, just being there. And, and it was so fucking beautiful. Yeah, that sequence was good. I, I hate the clickbaity articles that talked about it too much. I don't know if it I was saw a good any. scene. Okay, good. There, there was this weird article where the the headline of the article was uh, "Puss in Boots: The Last Wish" um, has a scene that accurately portrays a panic attack, and the hook of the article was that people that experience panic attacks kind of rep- or kind of appreciated that it was accurate because it means people can understand how they're feeling. Okay. But it's sort of framed like this weird kind of uh, we're trying to get brownie points with the panic attack community kind of a thing. Oh, sure. And it's like, why is why are you intentionally putting this in a child's movie? Like it was like framed so poorly. And what's funny, too, is it became this running gag now, like on, on Twitter, at least it's this joke that people bring up realistic panic attacks as an important part of a movie. And then they unironically said that the new Spider-Verse movie uh, Miles has a scene where he has a, a realistic depiction of a panic attack and everybody's cheering because like, finally we know it'll be a real movie. <laughs> Why is the internet got to go uh, on and just ruin things? Yeah. So in the context of the actual movie, that was a really good scene. <laughs> and, I, and I like how he opened up to and like talked about, um, some of the problems he's going through and how he feels about Kitty and stuff. And even Kitty didn't like hold that against him. Yeah. And it was just kind of refreshing because it's like, this feels like a setup where Fiona's going to leave and join Farquaad or something like, okay, they're just doing this again and they don't. And it's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> like That's more refreshing. Their, their relationship was, I wasn't sure what it was going to do. And it definitely, like, the beginning of it, I was like, oh, okay, I hope I hope this becomes a bit more dynamic than what it is. And, and ultimately, it, like everything else about the movie, it was handled extremely well. It was really funny. Um, I really like the idea, you know, Puss 
doesn't show up at the altar and is kind of guilted about this and then and she's holding it against him and I was and, and then just like oh I didn't show up either because I figured like I, you know you you were such a, an egotistical asshole that I I realized I didn't want to marry you and then now now it's like hey you're not that guy anymore um and they both you know realize the character growth that's going on it was very it was very nice did you watch the first Puss in Boots movie no I feel like they added Kitty because they needed a girl character and that was the end of the thought. Yeah, that's kind of my impression of so, it. Yeah. And so I really like with this one, she's a character in a story. It, it's not some sort of like weird checkbox thing. You know, I'm just everything that happens in this movie uh, warrants the screen time. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't have a lot more to say about her, but I do really like how they used her in this. And I think they gave her enough screen time, too. I would say she's, like, maybe the least interesting character, but everything that they do works extremely well, and ultimately, like, she is a great part of the dynamic. I like, too, the way the map worked with how, like, it, it changed the, the area they were in. And, like, both Puss and Kitty, like, their versions were pretty fucked up. And it's like, God, these are really damaged characters. And, and then... um. Uh, Perito gets it, and it's just like this gorgeous little romp through the through a meadow. Uh, when I think the bears got it for a little bit, like they saw their cottage, and that that really worked really well. The the different shifting around because it's another way that like you really got to learn about these characters through visuals that could happen really fast, say a lot, and then go go on their merry way. And it was also an excuse just for, like, interesting action sequences where, like, they don't have to travel to a volcano. They can just bring a volcano to them. So yeah. it was interesting, like, for the writer's sake to spend less time setting things up and more time just having fun with it. Yeah, it's crazy, like, how many roles that one decision ended up filling. Yeah, it was very smart, I think. Um, That kind of brings us back to Puss, though. Um, I, I remember there was somebody who, uh, uh, on a podcast was talking about it and he was saying how, like, he didn't want to see the movie, but his wife did. And it's like, well, okay, we'll go see that one. And so it opens with this musical number that isn't very good about how great Puss in Boots is. And he was like, oh boy, this is gonna be a long movie. And it's like, you know what? That establishing scene is so important because it almost makes you... Like, it it sets up how he's high on himself, but it's also, like, setting you up for, like, isn't this kind of annoying? Yeah. <laughs> and it pays off later so well. Like, even that was intentional. It's still, it's a, it's a weirdly catchy song. I remember having it stuck in my head for, like, a couple days after, being like, who's your favorite? Felt like, fuck, go away. Um... But there's something about it, too, because it establishes his relationship with the people around him really well. And then with, like, authority, because he's breaking rules. He's giving people he's throwing a party. He loves when people loves him. But also the people legitimately do love him. And so there's like a lot of narrative in that first, like, four minutes. Well, yeah, but also they legitimately love like this character, like this mask he's putting on. Yeah. And they don't reveal so much that it's a mask. Like, that's sort of something you realize after the fact. 
but there's this whole thing of, you know, the legend of Puss in Boots. And I like how well, there's a point where he kind of gives up and he holds a funeral for himself where he like buries his uh, his boots. And he's like giving a eulogy and he just won't stop talking about himself. Yeah, that was pretty good. I think good. there's like two gags where he walks away and comes back. And then he's like singing that song again while he's like crying over his grave. And it's like, man, this is like really, really pathetic. Yeah. And then again, I think the song comes up at the end uh, when he saw the like reflections of his lost souls. And I think there's a part where they were all singing that together. Yep. And it's like equally pathetic as him crying about it by himself. And like, this is so smart. <laughs> it, yeah, it's pathetic. It's like one of those things where he's still... He still really wants this like version of himself, even though he's pretty much fully realized that that version has no friends and is very lonely. But I think there's there's something about that like taste of power that he misses. Um, and then obviously it's the it's the thing like trying to distract him, right? So he doesn't get to the center and find the star. Uh, and it does distract him, and then death shows up, and it's like, oh hey, you you're so egotistical still, despite all this. That, you know, I can find you and get you now. It's one of those, like, you can tell he's making strides as a character throughout the movie. Um, but he's never, like, fully there until the end. Which I think is really important to have that, like, his realization and his click right before that final fight. I like, um, we didn't talk about death yet. We have not. I do want to focus a little bit on, on Puss still. Um, I think, I almost wonder if we should stick with Puss. I'm trying to... I, I do like that you, you see that scene where he's singing to his grave and you're like, this is pathetic. How can you get worse? And then immediately hits rock bottom like two minutes later when he's the the, yes. the lady's pet cat. <laughs> um, I, I really love how that character works on his own because it, I think it's easy to forget, but after watching this movie, Puss in Boots is introduced as like a weird third wheel in like, Shrek 2 or something. Yeah. Where, like, he's not a main character. He's, like, a joke character. And it's kind of, like, his abilities come from a need for the scene to progress so that Shrek and Donkey can save the day. Yeah. Working with that as a template, it's like, this is really hard. I understand why people don't talk about the first Post and Boots movie. This landed so perfectly. <laughs> and it's like, I just can't get over how much I love this movie. I loved all of his deaths, too, when he's talking to the doctor and counting them off. Oh, uh, that was funny. A lot of them are, like, legitimately fucking funny, but also you're just like, Jesus, we just saw this character die eight times in a row. Like, there, there, is, a, there is a mean streak that is kind of in this movie, or a dark streak that, that started with the first Shrek and has not left the franchise. And I kind of appreciate that, too, that there's, there's something a little not clean about this. It's not a Pixar movie. It's also, um, like, going back to Jack Horner, like, shooting his henchmen and stuff, it was interesting how they would play up the danger. Like, there's points where it's like, oh, is this heroic and action-y or whatever, and it's like, it's kind of convenient how some of these action scenes play out. But then there'd be some where it's like, this is actually kind of scary. Yeah. Like, the camera gets really down to the ground near his point of view, and you see things, like, coming right at him and narrowly missing him. And it's like, like you know, actually, this is oh, that guy just died. Oh, yikes! What happened there? And I just, it's, it's a very 
masterful example of good storyboarding and cinematography because just the camera placement and just the action movement stuff conveys what you're supposed to feel on the scene besides whatever's literally happening in front of you. Yeah. Going back to the song he sang, one of the other narrative greats about that song is he talks about like how he's never been cut, touched by a blade. He's never been cut. And then when death does show up, the first thing he does is cut puss like above the eye. And you actually see, you know, the blood leak down. And it's just like immediate, like, oh, shit just got really real for everybody in the room. I love, um, it's a little cat. Yeah. He's, he's cute. <laughs> it's, I love the, the heroic, uh, Spanish hero. You know, they, they cast that so well. And he's got his big hat and his big boots. And it's also, he's a little cat. And I just love that. Yeah, like when him and Kitty are doing the like the cute off and making their eyes bigger and, you know, putting their paws up or whatever. It, it is, uh, it's very funny. It is, but it is like, oh, these characters are really adorable when they're drawn to be adorable. Yeah. <laughs> The uh, so do we want to talk about death real quick? In his sweet, well, sweet embrace. I want embrace? to talk about um that first scene when he meets death, and that moment where he does get cut for the first time, and then he he has like his life flashing before his eyes. Yeah, and I thought that was an interesting sequence because it was like his origin story. It was him getting his boots. It was uh him meeting Shrek and Donkey and going on an adventure. Um, and all these like action things. And then he like realized what was going on. And I love how that was bookended at the end when death showed up for the last time. And he had that same like his life flashing before his eyes, but it was it shifted into mostly him and Kitty and um like things that actually kind of matter. Yeah. And then it and then it like hung on that one shot of him alone at that dark bar. And how depressing that looked. And like that one shot kind of hits me pretty hard <laughs> every time I watch this movie. And it's like, no, you, you got it. You pick up the sword there. And it's it just it is done so perfect. I, I love this is a children's movie. This but movie it's is, so smart. This movie is smarter than a lot of movies that I have seen recently. It really is. And prettier. I, I gotta yeah. say, the stuff they did with some of the the design choices and the way they render stuff, and it's just so good. Um, so, Death. I love his little whistle. I like that he's a wolf and a dog, you know, so cat versus dog kind of thing, but he's a big, imposing, got the sickles, which I should have picked up on. He was Death, like, right away with the sickles. It did not occur to me until, like, he basically announced it, and I was like, oh, fuck. Well, I like just the moments where, like, you see him in shadows throughout the whole movie. Oh, do you? I don't know if I picked up on some of that. Um, No, I mean, like, they're, like, literal. Like, he's, like, running through the woods, and it's, like, he'll see, like, you know, trees will kind of cross funny. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or for, like, a frame, it looks like him. Or, like, when they're, they're escaping the village, and there's a part where he turns back towards the crowd of people, and, like, Death is, like, standing there with all the gold coins, and he puts, like, the coins in his eyes. Yeah, that part was really good. It, it's stuff like that where it's like, this is so creepy. 
it was fun too where like his motivation is largely like one i don't like cats because they have nine lives which is death's motivation in in conquer's bad fur day when you first meet the grim reaper and he's just like fucking squirrels <laughs> and their giant tails giving him all these extra lives i i imagine I, that I, was you're a right i love that but i i, I there's someone on the team had to have played conquer's bad fur day and was like you know what we're gonna do right now is we're gonna make chad really happy but his whole I thing mean, is just like honestly i i would like a puss in boots game that was structured like conquer because cool. that could actually work then it would be the Dark Souls of video games. Then it would be the Dark Souls of video games. You realize that the title of this episode has to be Puss in Boots is the Dark Souls of movies. No, I'm not going to do that. Why not? It's clickbaity. I Oh, no, I want to be fair. Whenever a podcast I'm listening to uh, comes up with a line and someone says, Oh, dude, that has to be the title of the show. Without fail. You read that title of the show and then listen to it, and it's very annoying when you hear them say that out, out loud after you read the title. Oh, is it? I did that all the time with uh, the comics podcast. That was annoying. Oh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was. I thought we were having a fun time. Well, you know what? I, I dare you to go listen to old ones and see if you're actually laughing or if those were all lies. Um. Uh, you're probably having a fun time. No, but also I, I refuse to do that on the on accounts of I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, I. <laughs> what were we talking about before I get? Or, oh no. Um. So death as a character. Um. I really liked what they did with him, and I feel like, again, describing this as a Dark Souls like encounter almost. It was interesting to see how these stakes got so high towards the end. Like, yeah. it's kind of just a cute little fairy tale adventure. Like, oh, and there's Goldilocks. And then it's like the whole universe could blow up and you have to have a sword fight with death to save the world. And it's like, how do we get here? Like, <laughs> it is so like, it's like a Greek epic or something. For as goofy as Jack Harlow is, like, if he did get the map and wished for all the magic, like, that would be horrendous for the planet and probably the universe itself. Uh, and, and you know, Chimney Cricket can't convince him to not do that. So it's like, oh, <laughs> someone literally does have to stop him. Okay. I'm sorry. I've been having a really bad week. And I, it's like every time someone reaches out to me, I feel like they say the worst thing they can. Yeah, I just got a text that uh, someone at my old job might have died in an accident. Oh, Jesus. And it's like, thanks for texting me this now without any information, so I don't know who it is, or that's cool. Uh, um, I want, I like VRChat. Do you like VRChat? Yeah, I like VRChat. Um, you should get this for your VRChat avatar. Hey, it's Death Sickles for VRChat. Oh shit! This is actually kind so of a rad VR chat avatar. Um, scroll down the uh, the page here and look at some of these demo videos. Oh, it's a weapon that you can equip to it. So this is programmed to do all the animations from the movie, including wow. like folding out, snapping into a Darth Maul thing. You can set a ring of fire to duel a cat. Um, it also leaves sparks if you like cut, uh, you know, if you stick the tip into the ground and like drag it as you walk along a wall for a dramatic effect. Damn. 
Twelve dollars. That's not bad for something like I have no idea how you get equip something like this to an avatar because obviously I don't have um any of my avatars downloaded. They've they've been ones that I've cloned from people. So um Lindy here is the one that makes a lot of the gadgets I use. Like okay. my katana. This is pretty much using the katana system and just like with animations for this instead of a sword. Sure. Uh, it's very good work, so I recommend Lindy on VRChat if anyone out there plays VRChat. I I probably won't buy it, but I do, I do, I do like it and appreciate it. I don't, like I said, I don't know how I would equip it to my my dog character that I'm currently using or my anime girl that I sometimes still use. Now you need to get your own avatar, dude. I don't know. I feel like it kind of works. Just, just as long as the ones I have don't ever accidentally disappear on me, I'll be good. I'm way too uh, picky. I got to be hands on and add my own favorite uh, unfunny references to things. I, your avatars are great, and I definitely appreciate the work you put into them. Uh, I love that dog that I've been using, though. There's something about it that like makes me really happy because it's such a fucking dork looking dog. It is actually a fun. <laughs> I like I like that character. I know Joe talks about wanting to make an avatar at some point. Um, I think it would be cool to do or or to grab one and then customize it like you've been doing. Like there's it, there's something special about like this is mine. Uh, I currently haven't seen anybody rock this dog before though, so it does feel like this is mine, even though even though it's not. I keep sending you free ones. You could be that slug or a salmon. I could be a slug or a salmon. Those are free. You could be a dude. You could be a salmon, and then you get these death sickles. And you can make a like a Grim Reaper salmon, and you can I, fight I, bears. Yeah, the Grim Reaper of fish, and it's just some Japanese guy that like has, runs a sushi bar. I guess. Do you have any more closing comments about Puss in Boots and The Last Wish by DreamWorks Entertainment? I, I think I'm I think I'm out of them other than like I really like this movie and I can't believe we talked about it for about an hour. But also it's not even that it's a kids movie, it's just that it's so well fucking made and I love I really appreciate the writing in it. Like this is the kind of thing where if you're a writer and you like encounter something that is so exceptionally well written like you should pay attention to that and be like what can i do that you know what how can i learn from this the the shortcuts the creative uses of stuff you you know and don't know like it's really important i think to analyze stuff like this if you have a craft you like you know if it's a, if you're into music and you hear a song that's you know maybe not in your genre of choice but you think is cool you know why does this work or if you're want to make movies you know why does this work um yeah. This this picture yeah, is I think cool. This is the kind of uh this movie's gonna inspire a lot of uh artistic types. I bet. Yeah, it's one of those movies where like every every frame is is kind of you know worth looking at. I I like this one shot where uh he has his little uh he has his mittens on and his beard and Goldilocks says the Puss in Boots wanted ad. And he's like, that's not the right cat. Yeah. He's like, look at this geriatric cat. And he, you can even tell he's like, Hey, 
I like this. Uh, I'm, I'm looking up like art pieces. I like this shot of uh, Puss in Boots having a realistic depiction of a panic attack. <laughs> That's good art. I, to- I, I, I mean, I, if anyone out there listen to this and then like skip the movie, I just want to say it's worth watching. Even if you're not that into animated movies, it's just a very good movie. It's structured right. It's paced right. It's just pretty to look at. Um, you might not appreciate everything about it, but there's something that anybody could appreciate. Yeah. Okay, now here's the question. I refuse to title it, but how would you feel if the thumbnail was Puss in Boots having a realistic depiction of a panic attack? Uh, I'd be I'd be game for that. That would be fun. Okay, maybe that's the middle ground we land on. Okay, I I I I will agree to these terms. Do you have a glad space? Um, no. Wait, I have a stupid question first. Yeah. I I I, f- I want to say you got the uh, map to the wishing star. Okay. Okay. What's your map look like, and what's your wish? Um, I don't know what my map would look like, because it, it's trying to prevent me from from going the the place I want to go. Right, so I imagine there would be a wing of just like, uh, very Chadcore YouTube videos, and it'd be like, hey, you can leave. You should go on, but you should maybe watch this one real quick, because there are times when I I, I plan on getting things done, and then YouTube is like, hey, why not me? I think there could be like a child's but, jungle gym that I would have to get through. And since I lack upper body strength, that would be extremely difficult for me. But what would that I'm, I'm go back now? That's your interpretation of the, the wish map is that it's trying to keep you from going there. It kind of seemed like that a bit like there, there were obstacles. Cause uh, none of the obstacles like Perito even knew how to address his obstacles. Yeah. Like, they were there, but it was, like, designed for him to pass, too. I I interpreted it as, like, a reflection of, like, the life that you built. I mean, it's probably a little column, that's why a little column B. With, with, the, with the Goldilocks, they ended up just getting their house that they already had, and, like, they could just be a family, because that's what was actually important to them. Right, and then they almost, one of them wanted to turn around because, hey, this is better. And then they spent a lot of time there, and then they lost the map. So it prevented them from going forward. But they also got their wish, because that's what they actually wanted. Yeah, but then it took, like, another 15 minutes for her to realize that, though. That's fair. But, I mean, I think it's more of a subconscious thing. Yeah, probably. What would your map look like? I feel like it would be a flight of, like, ten stairs. And I'm gonna I'm gonna look at it for a while and go like I don't know if I I mean is there is there a ramp I don't know if I want to but then I would actually go up the ten stairs and I'd say you know what that wasn't that was so bad and I would feel better about myself and I wouldn't need a wish yeah I mean the whole point is we don't need the wish I would get through that jungle gym and I would be jacked well I wouldn't be jacked but I would be strong enough to get through a child's jungle gym. Cameron, you gotta... <laughs> this is a this is a stupid tangent. How about those glad spaces? Yeah, I was gonna say, do you got a glad space? Um, 
the fuck? Oh, my. Okay. I got a glad space. Okay. I uh, uh oh, I was um, I, I've been working on the VR chat world. Yeah. But I was talking about it in the Discord with the with Herc and the gang. And somehow it ended up that we were all kind of working on it and we we're all like doing art stuff and talking about it and just sort of like, cause I'm making posters for the walls. It's nothing like specific. It's just kind of like putting silly words in the AI thing and adding text to them. And it's like, Oh, I wonder what this will work. Like, and we're talking about like modeling stuff and it's like, Oh, how would you do a poster? Like you want it to curl realistically. How'd you do that? And it was such a nice evening, just casually talking and working together and I just really enjoyed that moment. And so I wanted to take time to consciously appreciate it. Yeah, I think it's good to do that. I, honestly, one of the things that made me really glad this week is involved that when you, because you asked me, hey, do you mind if I, you know, throw your band, a, you know, make a band poster for my VR chat world, you know, in case you don't want to be associated with that. And I was like, no, go ahead. That sounds fun. And I've uh, musically and vocally, it's definitely not been a good like two to three weeks. Um, uh, there's been a lot of ups and downs. I, I I tried to do that contest that my vocal coach put on. I did not make it to round two, uh, which isn't surprising, but is still very disappointing. I feel like I've been doing this a while, but still like haven't gotten to a, a quality threshold that I would like to meet. And might not get there for a while, depending on, you know, the effort I put in. But some days it just doesn't feel like it's worth the effort to put in. You know, you just have all that back and forth, right? And it can be kind of demoralizing. And I've definitely sunk a lot of emotional points into this at this point. And so then, like, you show me this, like, hey, I made a, I made a, mo- a you know, a band poster for your album that you did a year or two ago. And um, it, it just looked really cool. And it looked, like, you know, intriguing and clean. And, and I understand, like, you know, it's a good chunk of mid journey, but I don't know. It really like struck me as like, Oh, this is so neat. Like I, it, it made me feel really good to see, see that. And I, I saved it immediately. Well, I'm glad you liked that. It made me want to work on the, the EP I'm supposed to be working on right now. And it's like, you know, fuck the contest. I can do my own music. Well, I think that's a good attitude to have. Mm-hmm. I'm going to need more posters though. I want you to chip in too. Okay. Um, I'll have to think of something. I sent you that one I did where it was like a it was like a generic tour where it was just kind of like it was purple and green, I think. This is really good. Um everything about this is great. I love the color scheme. I love how I feel like it's got too many bands. Like that is an all-day show. Well, I think I mean the 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 practicality is I want um negative space filled in. Oh, sure, sure, sure. If you're going to read it and take it literally, I did say it was like a two-night thing. Yeah. So I feel like the implication is some bands play on one night. This is, I think, a really good use of of mid-journey, though, an AI like this, where you took a picture and you changed it a lot uh, with, with Photoshop filters, and then you added a bunch of text and basically totally repurposed it into something else. So actually, you know what? Since we're still recording, I want to explain this. Uh, I know this isn't a visual medium, but I can explain it real simple. I went to the AI thing and I typed in like I used a, a word like cartoony and pop art. And that always gives you very limited colors with the result. OK. And I took that to Photoshop and I 
uh i like further like posterized it so it was like isolating the different colors into like big blocks pretty much and after that i started tweaking the colors over that and okay. so you get the silhouette that you need um some details are lost but it kind of looks like a cheap quick thrown together kind of poster which is a certain style in its own right yeah so i, mean, I would see this there's poster. a trick to it <laughs> At my local record store, like, you know, local bands will make posters like this and be like, hey, we're playing here at the warehouse on on Sunday. Bring your parents, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, AI is an interesting tool. I'm trying to use it in different ways to see what I can come up with. I'm trying to come up with spray paint for the wall outside. Oh, and I cannot get uh, like graffiti that looks like what I'm looking for. Sure. So I'm going to have to just do that scratch. But. I'm having fun with it. I think you're, you're, I like how you're approaching the decorations too, because it is like all those little details are what really sell something like this. Oh, so I made another band poster, and I don't think I can convey this in audio, so I'll be brief. But it's a band called Mirror Here, and that's going to be the button you push to turn on the mirror. Oh, that's cute. And it's like, it's a very messy poster, but I feel like it's so like shitty. It kind of looks like a real one because <laughs> I've seen a lot of like bad posters. Yeah. This um URL at the bottom, does that actually go somewhere or did you just make that up? Uh, Bitly Whitley. No, that's not a real one. Okay. I wasn't sure. Your URLs have gotten uh, uh, <laughs> weird. No, they have. I, <laughs> I also, I, I titled it the reflection tour. And then the URL is the word reflection and then underscore and the number two ER. Oh, yeah. And it's like, that seems like a, a Tim and Eric joke to me. <laughs> it's like, this is stupid. I'm not going to fix it. Um, oh, I think I think that's good, though. Are we done? We had a fun talk. Yay, team friendship. Yay, team friendship. I'm gonna hit stop. Okay. <laughs>